This is the Connection Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Good morning. How is everybody after all that? I hope you're better than you were when you came in. I know I am. I feel better. <laughs> I um before I get before I get deep into my sermon here, I just wanna I just wanna tell you um there's a uh, there's a <laughs> all right. This is my awkward stage of transitioning. Remember? I always get a I get, a, I get about a five-minute grace period at the beginning here to, to get my stuff together. Um, I, want to, I, I, want to, I want to tell you a couple of things that are going on just as a reminder of things that, um, that you, you may need to know about. Um, we're still looking for, and always will be, and always have been, and always every children's ministry in the world is looking for help and volunteers. So, if you're interested in that, then we would love to talk to you about that, especially uh, nursery worker, workers. We would like to talk to you about that. On uh, November, um, se- September, don't get too carried away, September the, 15th, the, September the 12th, we're going to have our um, vision meeting, congregational gathering, where we reaffirm the elders, we talk about the vision, talk about the budget, and we do all that fun stuff. Um, that and and talk about the future. We're going to do that immediately after the worship service on September the 12th. So we're going to do the worship service, then we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come right back in. The members uh, of the church are going to come right back in, and we're going to do that right after. We promise it won't take long. You won't be here forever, and and um, you you won't miss lunch. Um, but. The, that week, the 15th, we're going to start up connection groups here on Wednesday night by doing the Alpha course. We did a presentation on that last week, um, and we would like for everybody to sign up for those. There are lots of different groups, um, but we're all going to be studying Alpha. There's going to be a group for uh, young adults. If, if young adults are looking for uh, a group to connect with, TJ and Rachel are going to be leading a young adults group. Um, there's, there's plenty of others there. Elevate's going to be doing uh, some stuff there. And so it's for everybody. And we want you to be a part of it because that connection, I think, is, is a part of... You know, <laughs> I, I, we've had a, I've had a rough week this week. I don't want to... You know, I, I know preachers are supposed to come in and be like, ooh, wow, yeah, everything's great, everything's wonderful. No, everything sucks. <laughs> it's not quite that bad, but it's close. So I just want you to be, I just want you to hear my heart and where I'm coming from. Because I'm not up here to put on a show for you. I'm not up here to entertain you or, or to, you know, be, do whatever. I'm here I'm here to preach what God has put on my heart. And the truth is, this has been a rough couple of weeks. And, and, and um, 
mostly because of pain, back pain. <laughs> Finally got a shot this week, so that helps a little bit, a little bit, but that's very, it's very distracting. There, and, and so I also just feel like what I've been preaching, there is this disturbance in the force. <laughs> in the spirit realm, there is a battle raging. And the, and the more keenly you are aware of that battle, the more it's going to have an effect on you. And, and it is raging wild and free um, around us. Whether we, whether we acknowledge it or not, it's, it's absolutely there. And, and, um, and I feel it strongly. And I want to... So this, this series that we're starting out today is, is called body armor and anytime that I preach on it I don't know if I cause it or if it's a reaction to but anytime that I preach on spiritual warfare I find myself right in the middle of it you know what I'm saying <laughs> I don't know if it's I'm preaching on it because I'm in the middle of it or if I'm now in the middle of it because I'm preaching on it I don't know which is cause and effect but I know that it's I know that it is there and I know that if we as Christians, if we as, as, as God's body, as the body of Christ, shrink back from it, try to ignore it, try to pretend like it's not there, try to put on our brave face and try to, you know, act like everything's okay, then we're never going to really enter into the fight. We're never really going to enter in, and we're never really going to engage in the battle. That, we, that, that, that is in front of us. And, and so, I have no intention, I, I have no desire, I've never have to just, get, to just come here and pretend and put on a show and act all hoorah and whatever. You know, if, I, if I'm doing it, it's because I mean it. And I believe that there, listen, it doesn't take much to look around our world and see the ravage of the enemy. To see the absolute onslaught of the enemy. You, you say, well, but there's always been hard times. There's always been tr trouble. There's always been the, absolutely, yes, the, you're right. In this world, we will have trouble. But I'm just telling you now that in the spirit realm right now, it is cranked up. It is cranked up. Now, why is that? I don't know. I don't try to answer the why question if I can. Because I don't know. What I do know is that we have a response to it. That we've been given a response to it in, in, in the world. We, we, it, look, look, there, there are situations all around us. I mean, just a real quick scan of headlines. <laughs> We, we, see, we see this absolute debacle going on in Afghanistan after a 20-year-long debacle that's been going on in Afghanistan because we have politicians and bankers running wars instead of soldiers. I say that as a veteran, not a pastor. Soldiers need to run wars, not dollars. Anyway, forgive me. 
Right now, we're trying, to, we're trying to retreat and trying to evacuate when we are not trained to evacuate. Soldiers are not trained or equipped for evacuation and surrender and running away. That's just not the way we're built. And the church is not built for evacuation and retreat and surrender to the enemy. We're just not. It's not how we're made. It's not, how, it's, it's not what our commander-in-chief does. It's not what God tells us to do. He says, take your stand. He says, go and make disciples. He says, go and conquer and overcome the, the enemy and what the enemy is doing to the world around us. Don't just turn it over to them and try to run away and hide. And pretend that it's just going to go away and get better. No, no, no. All you do is embolden the enemy when you run away from the enemy. Stand firm against the enemy. And the enemy will back down because he's nothing but a bully anyway. He's, he's got no power. He's got no real strength. He's got nothing but fear and lies to use against you. And when you stand on the truth and take your stand, then the enemy will back off. Because he can't stand against the truth of God. And when God's people will stand up on that truth and step into that truth and not back down, then the enemy has nothing to do but turn and tuck his tail under his leg and run away like a slapped little puppy because he's got no teeth. But if we act like he has teeth... If we sit around cowering and say, oh, no, but what are they going to do? Listen, you know, I tell you that everything that happens on planet Earth is a representative. It's not the real thing. It's a reflection. It's a, it's, it's a manifestation and a reflection of what is actually happening in the spirit realm. Well, go turn on CNN right now and see what's happening, and you will see what's happening in the spirit realm. It's the church turning around and running away and hoping that the enemy will just be friendly now. Really? They're just going to be our buddies now? We're just going to all be friends and hug and sing kumbaya? Listen, that's not what the devil does with the church. It's not. And on earth, we see the manifestation of the reality of what's happening in the spirit realm. When those who stand for truth and justice turn and run and cower against those who stand for abuse and domineering and a lot of other things I don't want to say in church then we have lost our way. We have lost our values. We have lost our direction. Because we are called to a higher calling. Because we have been given great power. And with great power comes great responsibility. And with that power... Listen, church, with that power, we must rise up and use that power or that power will be taken away from us because we forfeited 
You don't lose your power because somebody stronger came along when you are the church. You lose your power because you forfeit it and give it away to someone that is weaker because of fear and lies. Now, in my mind, the parallel between the United States and what's happening over there is just as clear as a bell. I don't know if it works for you, but it does for me. It shows me exactly what's happening in the spirit realm. And it shows me exactly how I need to preach. How I need to shepherd. How I need to pastor. Because for too long, listen, this past season has been marked with everybody canceling everybody out. Amen? Oh, you said something I don't like. Canceled. Well, I'm not talking to you anymore. Well, I'm I'm not there. No, no. We, we don't actually have dialogue anymore. We don't actually have a conversation anymore. We, we just cancel each other out and turn against each other and then try to rip each other apart through gossip and slander and backbiting and all of the things that the devil just loves so much to get in your life. That is what we have to do battle against. That is what we have to do war against. We Listen, war is not pretty. <laughs> war, is, war is a messy, messy thing. There, there, is nothing, there is nothing friendly about it. Nothing. So if we're going to engage in it as the kingdom of God here on this earth, we can't be friendly about it. You understand? What's the most unfriendly thing that the enemy, that we can throw at the enemy? The most unfriendly thing that we can, because you got to flip yourself around a little bit here, right? There, there's a great book written by uh, C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. And the Screwtape Letters are written from the perspective of the devil, right? The enemy, the devil and the demons. And so when in that book, when he says the enemy, he's actually talking about God. And when he talks about the things that God throws at him and God's people throw at him that hurts the worst, do you know what he talks about? He talks about things like love and kindness and, and patience and gentleness and self-control, because against the enemy, those are the most destructive, unfriendly, hateful things you can possibly do from his perspective. We have to look at the, th we have to look at the spiritual realm from that perspective if we're going to truly understand the weapons that we have been given to fight with. Come on. Because too long, we try to fight with the weapons that the world uses to fight with. We try to fight with hatred and bitterness and resentment and anger and malice and slander. That are, those are not our weapons. Those are not things that do damage to the enemy. Those are the things that embolden and strengthen the enemy. Come on. The more angry you are with a brother or sister in Christ, the happier the devil is about it. Every single time. If he can get you wound up and twisted up and turned up into... Right? He's won. He has won. That's victory. So we have to understand that what God calls us to is oneness. 
oneness, unity in the Spirit. Not unity because you get along with each other. Not unity because we agree on everything. Not unity because my opinion is the same as your opinion. No, no, no. That's got nothing to do with it. That is, it's got nothing to do with you or me or our opinions. It's got everything to do with our God, our one Lord, our one faith, our one baptism. It's about oneness. It's about unity in the Spirit, submitted to the Spirit, under the authority of the Spirit. Because so many of us have tried to find all kinds of ways to have authority over one another. We come up with theological doctrines and theological uh, matrix and, and methods to try to say, oh, but we're doing it right, and you're doing it wrong, and you're doing it right. And we get all puffed up with pride. Listen, it... it Look around the world. Just look around, and it doesn't take much. I mean, you could flip out your cell phone right now, type in news, and, it, and it would, it's there. And yes, we need to pray in solidarity with those who are suffering around the world. With those who are in Afghanistan with Haiti, Haiti has just been churned up like going through a blender. <laughs> we have COVID resurgence is coming back, and we know people that have it right now that are, that are suffering hard. The Northeast is, as we speak, the Northeast is bracing for a hurricane. Literally just to the east of us, literally right behind me right now, there is a hurricane working its way up the coast. This is what it looks like in the spirit realm right now. This is what's going on in the spirit realm right now. There are wildfires burning the west coast away and have been all summer long. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't want to be a gloom and doom preacher or anything, but the truth is we live in a gloom and doom world. I'm just delivering the news. I don't even have to embellish. So what is our, what is our answer? <laughs> what is our responsibility? What is, what is it that we have to do? I want to talk to you today about the power of, of oneness, oneness, the state of being one. Because I, I, I just, I wish I could just go around and ask you individually, like how oneness do you feel right now? How much, how much oneness do you feel right now in, in wherever you are? In, 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 your, in your job, in your school, in your family, in your friends, in your relationships, even in the church. How much oneness do you feel right now? And it's not because of the circumstances that are happening around you in the flesh and blood. It's because it's manifesting and it's magnifying from the spirit realm right now. 
And we are called as God's body, as Jesus, as the body of Christ, to rise into that battle in unity, in solidarity, in in connectedness and togetherness and, and, and overcoming all those things. Here's the thing about a monster. When it comes, you know, when, when, the, when the monster of, of, of depression comes, it just leads to, it, it's a self-feeding monster. I was telling Suzanne earlier this morning, like I have this lower back issue from, from an army injury and, and, um, and it, and it's, it's, can get really flared up from time to time and get really bad. And, and, and you know what the doctor says? Uh, well, we can give you this treatment to, to take care of the pain, but what you really need to do is do these exercises. And the problem is every time I do those exercises, then I'm back in traction trying to be able to walk because those ex- exercises actually make it worse. So the thing that could make it better makes it feel worse. Are you, are you with me? So it's, it's, like, it, it, it's like I, I can't get a job because I don't have a car, but I don't have a car because I can't get a job, right? It's like, what are we supposed to do? And we get caught in this loop of where are we supposed to find a way out of this thing? And, and this is where I think we have to come back to identity and understanding who we are in Christ and whose we are and the fact that it's not about us and it's about him and it's about stepping into and keeping our focus on the one who will deliver us from the undeliverable place. When you're stuck you, and you can't get out, you need help, right? You need someone to come along and deliver you. That's what Jesus does for us. That's who Jesus is. And it's, and it's in the solidarity that we have with him, the oneness with him and understanding our calling in him. Listen, the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. He says this, As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The Apostle Paul has been preaching, he's been teaching, he's been traveling all over, and now he's in a prison. Now he's in prison. Everywhere he goes, he gets beat up, he gets thrown out, he gets imprisoned. And it's just time after time after time after time, and now he's locked up. But now he's writing. And he spent these last three chapters that we've covered in the last series about our identity in Christ and understanding who we are and the destiny that we have with him. And now he says, now, as a prisoner, as one who is suffering for this message that I have brought to you, I want you to take this and I want you to live this. Don't just hear it. I want you to take it and I want you to live it in a worthy manner of the calling that it is on your life. Stop tiptoeing around, stop stop tootsieing around and pretending like there's no enemy trying to destroy you and rise up and be a warrior. This is about grace, is what this is about. You see, grace in in the enemy's camp, in the devil's camp, the word grace that is, that is an unspoken word. That is a word we do, you, you don't speak of in the enemy's camp. Because the last thing that the enemy wants to hear is grace from God. Because grace overcomes 
all of the legalism, all of the, every, all of the failure, all of the things that have taken us down, that have made us unworthy, that have broken us, grace comes in. Come on. Grace comes in and restores it all. Grace comes in and overrides it all. Complete system override. Shut it all down. When grace comes in, the devil has no recourse. He has no teeth to bite with. He has nothing left. But listen, here's the thing. I was thinking about this, and it was just... I was thinking about this idea of grace. You know, I, we've, been, we've been here at this church for well over 20 years now. Started as visitors and youth pastor and pastor, and you know... And, and when you stay in a place that long, you, you get to see things happen. You get to see people come through and go and whatever. And, and, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, you know, the, the, one, of the greatest, one of the greatest enemies of grace is, is progress. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's getting, like... I think sometimes we all need to just go back to that day, to that moment where we were so fed up with our lives, where we were so broken with our lives, so completely destroyed in our lives that we finally submitted and humbled ourselves unto God and said, God, save me. Because the thing that will keep us from really enjoying and experiencing the power of grace it's 10 years, 15 years, 20 years later when we've got ourselves all cleaned up and we've learned all the Christianese and we've learned all the legalism and we've learned the right way to do it and we've learned the, you know, all the Christiany religious stuff that make us feel better than everybody else and then we all of a sudden start looking down at everybody else saying, well, what's wrong with you? I'm so awesome. Right? No, you're not. You need grace. You still need grace. I still need grace every single day. This moment right here, right now, I need grace desperately. Because outside of grace, I have nothing to bring you. I have nothing outside of grace. Outside of God's mercy and grace. But listen, here's the thing. I think that I think the church is really the church in general is 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 really at fault in in a lot of ways for negating or or destroying the power of grace because we, we raise up people that come in desperate and hungry. I've, I, I can I can picture people in my mind that have come in so broken, so desperate. Their lives in such a mess, and we've accepted them, and we've loved them, and we've cared for them, and we've discipled them, we've raised them up, and we've strengthened them, and we, we, we've, we've equipped them and, and made them leaders, and, and, and they've become, and then, and then, <laughs> and then we forget where we came from, and then we forget, and, and, and listen, a legalist is one who has forgotten the grace that got them where they are. 
The very people that would come in and say, I love how raw and honest and how unpolished you are about preaching, will be the ones that years later will come and say, you know what, you really ought to clean up the way you say such. And, you, know, you really ought to, ought to like, articulate a little more. Be a little more. <laughs> nope, is who I is, and that's who I And it's not about being arrogant or be anything like that. It's about being surrendered and submitted to who God has made you to be and, and called and equipped you and, and positioned you to be who you're meant to be. And, and listen, when you are doing that, the enemy is not going to like it. Too many of us think that when, we're, that, that, that when we get too much resistance, it's because we're doing the wrong thing. No, usually it's because you're doing the right thing. Because we live on a battlefield, and on a battlefield, when you try to make progress, when you try to step forward, when you try to take new ground, you're going you're gonna to encounter resistance. It's going to be there. <laughs> if it's not there, you might want to raise up and look around and make sure you're not moving the same direction as the enemy. Come on. That doesn't mean that your way is the only way or that my way is the only way. You could, I could be wrong, right? And this is where it comes back to submitting and surrendering every single day, going back to the Lord and humbling yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that in due time he can lift you up, he can lead you, he can direct your step, he can take you where you need to be because you don't see the whole thing. He does. But this is what oneness is about. Because oneness is not about, listen, if you've been around here long, because this was way back, many, many years ago when the army, uh, I'm an army veteran, so I can talk about the army, you know. Um, they They came up with the stupidest slogan I've ever heard in my whole life. Like it drove me insane. Remember? An army of one. They didn't mean a a unified military force. They meant you, individual, are an army of one. No, you're not. You're dead. You're like lost. You are in trouble. You You are desperate, right? I don't, like, when I was on a battlefield, the last thing I wanted to be was one. Alone, by myself. Oh no, not a chance. When we recognize the power of unity that God has called us to, when we recognize the calling that He's put on our lives to be a part of the body, right? Not to be the body. To be a part, I'm talking individually now, not to be the body all by yourself, all on your own, all alone by yourself, because it doesn't work that way. How many of us have tried it that way and it didn't work? It's never going to work. It never will. God will make sure it don't work. That's not his plan. And whatever is his plan, he will make sure it doesn't work. His plan is that we each play a part in the body together. As one. 
as one, submitted to one another and to him as one. That's what changes everything. Because it's all about grace. In verse 2, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another. Enduring with one another. Like, staying together when things are hard. Sucking it up and not walking out. You want some good marriage counseling? Suck it up and don't walk out. That's the best you'll get. Stay in the fight because the enemy's trying to destroy it. When we think with grace instead of selfishness and arrogance and legalism but we think with grace we will begin to think differently and we will treat others differently we will think differently and treat others differently because of grace because grace is a domineering philosophy Listen, when you think about philosophical ideas, if you have a particular philosophy about something, that philosophy is going to guide your thinking all the way down through every aspect of life because of that philosophy. Amen? If If you have a philosophy of grace that domineers your thought process, Because God has given you grace. Now listen, grace doesn't mean that we just lay down and become doormats for people to walk on. You're a a son and daughter of the Most High King. You are royal family. You don't lay down and become abused and kicked around. Come on. You take your stand. But you take your stand against the enemy. The real enemy. You take your stand against the principalities and powers of this dark world that are coming against you when those principalities when another person has given themselves over to the power of that principality power and dark world then that person personifies your enemy but they are not your enemy and the moment that they repent of that The moment that they seek forgiveness for that, the moment that they turn away from that, this is why repentance is so powerful in the kingdom because repentance takes away the power of the the evil forces that take over our lives. Are are you following me? When, when, When evil takes over our lives and we surrender to that evil and we begin to act out that evil, then yes, we are going to get the brunt of what we're bringing on ourselves, but we're caught in the middle. Because all you really have to do, and I know this from experience and most of you do too, if you'll acknowledge it, you know the difference between just surrendering and submitting to the evil that the enemy is coming at you with and repenting and turning away from that and turning to the Lord and trusting in him for your strength so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the enemy. Come on. That's the power of confession and repentance. When we are willing to confess our sin and say, this is not who I want to be. This is not how I want to act. This is not how I want to treat people. 
These are not the decisions I want to make or the, the actions I want to take or the things, right? No, that's confession. And when I've confessed that and said, that's not what I want to be, that's not who I want to do, what I want to do, now my next step is to repent it means to turn around. It means to change your thinking. It's, it, in Greek, it's metanoia. It's the transformation of your thought process or philosophy. Once upon a time, my philosophy was all about me, me, me. What about me, me? I felt like Toby Keith, right? Me, me, me. Want to talk about I? Want to talk about me? No, just because that's our philosophy. But when my philosophy becomes about grace, <laughs> I didn't do anything to get here. I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like a turtle sitting on a fence post. I didn't do a thing to get up here. Come on. Are you with me? I've never seen a turtle jump on a fence post, climb up the side of a fence. No, I've never seen it. <laughs> we are all turtles sitting on a fence post because we all had the mighty hand of God reach down and pull us up out of the muck and the mire and all of that and sit us in higher places. Come on. That's called grace. That's called grace. That means I don't have to have everything my way. That means I don't, I don't see everything the way that God sees everything. All I can do is submit, surrender, and follow and obey. And by doing so, I stay in the eye of the storm. Because the storm rages around me. The storm is raging around us all. Around. We got a hur- Literally, we have a hurricane to our east. We have wildfires to our west. We, we, come on, right? I mean... when we recognize the grace that God has given us, we'll begin to treat people differently. We'll begin to think differently. We'll, we'll adopt a different philosophy. In verse 3, he says, make every effort to keep the unity, which is the word, that word means oneness. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Peace. Who is the prince of peace? Who is the embodiment and the archetype of peace? Jesus is. Jesus is the representative of peace. He is the prince of peace. He is the, the commander of, of peace. Peace is the thing that destroys the enemy because the enemy wants you to live in chaos. The enemy wants you to live in dissension and, and distortion. He wants you to, to live in all kinds of confusion all the time and the more he can do that the better you, the better off he is because he wants to get a hold of your philosophy and change it from a philosophy of grace to a philosophy of fear that i just have to be afraid of everything i just have to run and hide from everything i have to i have to get away all right i either have to fight or i have to fly or i have to freeze somewhere and do nothing be real quiet. Fight, flight, and freeze are not from the enemy. They're not from God. They are from the enemy. 
Fight, flight, and freeze are are reactions to something when fear takes over our lives. Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that God wants us to respond to the problems in our lives with. They are the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit are what come from a philosophy of grace and faith. And when we live in, in the Spirit and allow the Spirit to produce these fruit in our lives, these fruit will begin to permeate around us in our lives and draw people to us so that we can then deliver gifts that God has given to us, gifts that undo the works of the devil. Come on. That's what gifts do. The gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, what does it do? It undoes the confusion and the distortion and the lies that the enemy tries to propagate around you. The gift of healing restores back to what God originally planned for you to have. When When we live in grace, when we live in faith, It changes our philosophy of the way that we look at the world. We no longer look at at the world with fear and say, oh man, that's awful. I wish somebody would do something about it. No, we look at the world from the position of grace and faith that says, I am connected to Almighty God. He has sent me here to do something about that. I'm going to step into my calling. I'm going to step into my purpose here on this planet. I'm going to do what God has called me to do regardless of who walks out on me, regardless of who turns against me regardless of who throws rocks at me regardless of whatever comes at me I will do what God called me to do and he's called you every one of you to do something to be a part of the body to be a part of this oneness none of us are innocent bystanders none of us are simply spectators here We have been called to be the body of Christ. The body does what the head tells it to do. And the body that doesn't do what the head tells it to do is a disabled body. Listen, church, we can no longer function as a disabled body. Verse 4 says, There is one body... And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Because this, listen, oneness is a matter of focus and commitment. Oneness is a matter of focus and commitment. What does that mean? It means I don't look at three things at one time to get my hope from, to get my power from, to get my strength from. I'm not looking to God on Sunday to get what I need and then looking to Almighty Dollar on Monday to get what I need and then looking to this, uh, uh, you know, unfortunate relationship on Thursday to get what I need and looking to this other thing on this day when I get... No, that, that's schizophrenic. It is oneness. It is unity. It is focus and commitment that says, no, listen, I, I have one body that I was called to. I have one spirit that I was called to, just as you were called to one hope. What is your one hope? Your one hope has a name, you know. His name is Jesus. He is our only hope. He is the only hope that we have in this life, in, the, in all of humanity. He is the only hope we have ever had. 
And anything that takes his place or takes attention away from him is an idol and must be destroyed. It must be taken out. It must be removed. Because oneness is a matter of focus and commitment. Verse 5 says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is all part of one sentence, right? I broke it up, but it's, it's all one, one big long sentence. One Lord, what does that mean? That means there is one authority over my life, only one. One. One faith means there is one thing I put all my trust and hope in. His name is Jesus. One baptism is a baptism that I get to enter into where I lay my life down, lose my life so that he can take it up, raise it up out of the grave and back to life into the resurrection that I was meant to live in so that I can have one Lord. It goes full circle. We like to, we like to, theologians like to sit around and argue about these things. It's simple. It's just one it's not yours and yours and yours. It's not this, this version, that version, that version. No, it's one. It's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, authority, belief, and action. That's what those words represent. Authority, belief, and action. If you won't submit, your, uh, if you won't submit to God's authority... There's got to be a metaphor in that of carrying around dead batteries to replace your batteries when they die. I don't, I'm not going to go there today, but wow, I sound totally different now. Verse 6, I end with this. One God, one Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all. Let me just, you don't have to change the screen, but just let me, let me just read that whole big sentence to you that we broke, in, broke up there. Starting in verse 4, it says this, Therefore, it says, There is one body and one spirit, just as we were called to one hope when we were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all and in all. Every power that you could put your trust in, that you could put your faith in, every form of philosophy, thought, or whatever else that you could come up with or that the world comes up with to try to find an answer and to find a place and find some hope and whatever it is, it comes down to one thing, is one God who is your Father who loves you with an ever-ending love, a never-ending love, an everlasting love. Not because you were lovable, but because of His grace. And it's His grace. It's not because we got good at this. It's not because we finally got our stuff cleaned up and straightened out. It's not because we finally got it all together. It's because we came to him broken and destroyed and we cried out for mercy and he gave us grace. And it's in that grace that we take our stand. It's in that grace 
that we step into the authority that he has given us in his name. It's not, it's not our name. It's not my name. It's not anyone's name it, other than Jesus, our one Lord. Our one faith in him. Our one baptism into his identity because of our one father. caught up in the things of the world, in the ways of the world, we lose our way. <laughs> because our way is not mapped out in the world. Our way is mapped out in the kingdom. Our way is mapped out in the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is, is our destiny. It is where we are going. Too many times we get so focused on going somewhere here in this world and we lose sight of the fact that we are going somewhere in the kingdom. And the Apostle Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. What calling? The calling that is heavenward. Come on. I mean, Paul says in another chapter, he says, listen, I, all these things I've, I, I lay beside, I don't, I'm not focused on them. Whatever's in the past, I let it go so that I can turn my focus, my one single-minded focus onto one thing, and that is Christ who has called me heavenward. When we understand that we are called heavenward, we're just passing through here. Everything here is just is something out the side out the out the side door mirrors, right? The side door windows of your car. They're not in the they're not in the windshield. What is in the windshield is heavenward. And when we when we will focus heavenward, then we will find our way. Because he is the way. He is the light. He is the hope. He is all we have. But listen, he is all we need. He is all we need. He is in all and through all. Look at that verse. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. How much did he leave out of that? Nothing. It's all there. <laughs> So what are you distracted by today? What's got you twisted up inside right now? What's got you with a lot of static in your head? I just want to offer you an opportunity right now to lay it at the feet of Jesus. The only place that it can really be taken away, that it can really be removed. We're going to do that right now by receiving, by, by by celebrating communion together. Because I just really believe that communion is not a religious, churchy, legalistic ritual. It's an opportunity to remember what makes it all possible. 
And what makes it all possible is the grace. Let me back that up. What makes it all possible is the love that causes God to release grace. Because you give grace to those whom you love. (laughs) Amen? I mean, I don't know that I ever truly understood that as well as I did when I became a grandfather. Right? When you become a grandfather, your grandchildren can do no wrong. The parents are like, they're acting like, no, they're fine. They're good. They're just tired. They're sweet. It's called grace. Listen, when God looks at us, he sees little children who are trying to make their way. And he says, I want to help you. I want to to, to equip you. I want to give you everything that I have, all in all, through all. It's all yours. He said, "But, but for me to be able to give you that, I have to give you my all. So when we take the bread, we are taking what Christ embodied as his body, and he gave it all for us. So I invite you to receive the body of Christ. that as Jesus hung there on that cross because of his infinite ability to do so, he had every single one of us in mind individually. He wasn't just thinking of the billions and trillions and however many would come. He was thinking about you and you and you and me. One at a time. As his blood dripped down his face, into his eyes as it dripped off his nose and chin as it dripped off his feet onto the ground below every drop was given as grace for us so I invite you to receive the blood of Christ bow your heads with me for just a moment. I won't belabor this. But I feel like God is calling us to just a moment of repentance (laughs) because there's such great power in repentance. We think of repentance in, in, in almost a judgmental kind of way. Like when I said that, did you feel judged a little bit? I did. And I said it. Felt like, what? well, why do I have to repent from? No, no, listen. No, no. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about judging. I'm talking about philosophy. I'm talking about repenting from anything that's crept into our thought process and caused us to start trusting in other things of this world. And we're going to repent from that and we're going to turn back to grace. We're going to turn back to the grace of God that says you have done it all. You have made it all possible. You are the only answer and the only hope and the only one I will ever need. And I turn back to you. And listen, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, this is your moment to do so. 
Because it's not a complicated thing. It's not as difficult as we tend to make it sometimes. It's real simple. It's taking your heart out of your chest and giving it to him and saying, here, Lord, here's my heart. You have it. I can't do anything with it anymore. It's submitting and surrendering your will to God's will and saying, I don't want it my way anymore. I want it your way. And I want to be yours. And I just believe that if you pray that with a sincere heart, God knows your heart. And God comes and takes over. And he will lead you in grace and faith and hope and mercy. So, Father, we just come before you right now and just pray that you would forgive us and restore us back to all righteousness. Your word says that if we confess our sins, then you are faithful and just and will, and will restore us to our sins. You justify us by your grace, not by our action, not by our penance, not by our getting better, by your grace. And so, God, we just depend, we just trust, we just lay and bask in that grace that you pour out on us. Help us to think differently and to think differently about others. Help us to be patient and kind and caring and loving toward each other in this time of turmoil. Don't let the enemy come in and wreak havoc in our minds and hearts and distract us and turn brother against brother and sister against sister. But but help us to, Lord, find our oneness in you. Not to look to ourselves, but to look to you, keeping our focus and our gaze and our our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. God, we lift up those around the world that are suffering right now in all the different ways that it's happening. It's, it's, It's overwhelming. We just pray, God, that you would pour grace on this planet, that you would pour grace onto the human race right now in just tangible ways that we could just see and that, and that they would just become undeniable that you intervened, that you did things that weren't supposed to happen. And Lord, do that through us, your church, your body, through our hands. As we pray for people, as we ask for miracles, Lord, we just pray that you would show up and show off and that you would do amazing things that will boggle the minds of the people and give us bold faith. Give us bold faith and bold hope to stand up and rise against the enemy that comes against us. In Jesus' name we pray and all that agrees says, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here and worshiping with us. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. Without you, the work we do at Connection Christian Church wouldn't be possible. If you would like to give online, please visit c3christianchurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment and subscribe and please share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.